0: This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast channel. This is episode number 55. Um, the The topic I will be covering is the only thing you should be fanatical about is your relationship with God. But first a prayer. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am. All that I have, all that I do, shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, as I said in the last episode, I, Lord Jesus and Blessed Mother just gave me a ton of topics. Well, maybe not a ton, but compared to what I was putting out, it's quite a bit. And I was thinking about how I've been accused of being monocle maniacal. And that's just a 10 cent word, meaning I have a one track mind. And I didn't. I I told the person who says, so "Yeah, that's true." And what I po- um and what they were saying about was in reference to basically, you know, I'm all about my relationship with God. And I said, "Yeah, that's true." And I pointed out to that person. I said, "Well." if you believe that there is a God and you do believe that there is only one path to Him and one theology I said if you're worried about getting into heaven why wouldn't you be um, I'm just going to say fanatical you, know, you can use one track mind you can use fanatical although honestly i'm not a fan of the word fanatical um because over the years the meaning of the word fanatic has changed it's it's been like everything else in this degraded society it's changed what fanatical meant was you took a principled stand on something and nothing could budge you. Absolutely nothing on earth could budge you. And if you read about some of the martyrdoms of the saints, some of the pagans and the heretics recorded about how they found that the Catholic martyrs were very fanatical. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't renounce Jesus and the Blessed Mother and wouldn't renounce their church. They found that to be very fanatical. Nowadays, fanatic has been shortened to fan and it just means you really love your sports ball team or whatever your hobby is. You really love it. But the reason I hate that description is because having been a sports ball fanatic, or, I'm sorry, fan, I was never a fanatic, but fan, I can, I can truthfully tell you my attitude toward the ultimate truth, which is Jesus Christ, His one true Catholic Church, and the Heavenly Kingdom, is matters of magnitude bigger than whether a particular football, baseball, uh, basketball team or baseball team wins or loses, uh, goes to whatever championship and wins it that they hope, that they have. Matter of magnitudes, you know, we're talking about eternity and even either heaven or hell. And... To me, you know, to me, it's just, um, it's, um, it's puzzling to me how you could have any different attitude other than that. And the reason I'm saying this is you know, I was a big football fan and, you know, um, you know, when I first started being a football fan, you know, um, um, when I started taking, uh, when I first started watching, I used to take their defeats pretty hard. You know, watch on Sunday and then it took me a day, day and a half I'm sorry, day or two days to, you know, pull myself out of the funk. And people kept telling me at the time, "Is what does it matter? I always tried to argue with them because I didn't have a higher perspective. Oh, you don't understand. But ultimately, they were right. You know, whether my football team makes the Super Bowl... uh Or, you know, whatever. In the larger scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Even their losses. I mean, the football players themselves, if they lose on a Sunday, they go back to work whenever their coach wants them to, and they're preparing for the next game that next Sunday. Now, of course, not that you guys care or should, but they have film sessions during that week or at least they used to back in the day where the old school coaches, like you had the uh, offensive line in one room, the defensive line, you know, they're broken down into, into sections and whatever coach was in charge of that particular section would be chewing their butt. Oh, you missed that tackle. You know, yo, you missed that pass or you fumbled that ball, you know. But mostly and you know um unless the team does i I'm talking about American football unless an American football team makes the Super Bowl um whenever their season ends you know their guys are disappointed and you know they're making preparation to get better for the next season but overall they're just they're just preparing to go back to their families and their homes and raise their kids and be with their wives and do whatever it is football players do in the offseason. And when you compare that to eternity, I, I I just, you know, I don't understand how you could have a blasé attitude about God. If for no other reason, if for no other reason than if you're not meeting his expectation and he makes it quite clear that hell exists and those who dishonor him or fail him in in, in a blatant way are going to end up in hell. Ah, You know, um, I, I do realize different people and all that, but... I mean, I would say if nothing else, even, even if, you know, um, even even if, if you couldn't work up, I don't know how to explain this. I, I would say at the bare minimum, you would try to keep yourself from at least going to hell, if nothing else. You know, if you believe in what the Bible says, you know, about hell being eternal, and when I say eternal, I mean time never time's never going to stop. It's forever. Now I said this in an early episode. Even I had my a hard time wrap, wrapping my head around the um the concept of forever. Because as human beings, you know, we're used to time and space, whereas God and His angels are spirits. There is no time and space for that. I've heard some spiritual writers that have said that right now, as I'm speaking, at this very moment, Jesus Christ is still being crucified back in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. And I don't even, you know, I don't even try to, what's there to understand? You know, if, I I would say that anyone who tries to tell you that they understand the whole, you know, thing between eternity and God and the angels, um, either does not really understand, or they think they do, and they're mistaken. I guess it's which is the same thing, really. But, you know, I, I as human beings, you know, and I, I'm sure there's some autist out there. Well, what about Einstein? He wrote the theory of relativity. Oh, uh, okay, but since Einstein didn't, he was a deist. He was not an actual, you know, Jew, Jewish believer, and he wasn't a Christian believer. Um, I'm not going to claim I know the man personally, but I've never heard, in a, you know, in fifty years, I've never heard anyone claim that that he he, he might have written the theory of relativity. I've never heard any quotes for him where he talked about eternity. Uh, The the only quote I've ever heard about um, anything approaching that was when he was, I think he taught at Harvard or Stanford, one of those two, and he was explaining to a a, uh, student, he said, you're holding hands with a girl and it seems like forever or oh, I'm sorry you're holding hands with your with a girl and it seems like a short time when you have to leave her and then you're sitting on a hot stove and it seems like forever that's relativity um oh. I know there's gonna be somebody out there. Well that's that's just talk about eternity. Um maybe maybe in a very superficial sense, yeah. But given the context of that quote, um, he's just talking about if you're sitting on a hot stove. Until you get off the hot stove while you're burning your butt on the hot stove, it seems like eternity. When I talk about eternity, I'm talking about it never ends. Your flesh is literally burning and it never stops and it never will stop. And while your flesh is burning, you've got worms eating you forever. It never stops. And the way Einstein... I'm sorry, the way it sounded like Einstein put his theory is that, well, eventually you get to jump off the hot stove, but it felt like forever while you were on there. Whereas in hell, for eternity, there's no end. There's literally no end. That's why I say, I have a hard time grasping forever. And I think... More, You know, 99% of human beings outside of maybe the unknown saints, can't comprehend eternity. Because we... We are born on earth as temporal creatures. Now we are a hybrid. You know, we have a physical side and then we have our soul, which is spiritual, and they're merged. But to a, a pure spirit, there is no time, there is no space. And, by the way, the, the whole topic of what I'm talking about has nothing to do with about eternity. It has to be, um, or has to do, I should say, with, you know, honestly speaking, I, I would be rather be more fanatical about getting into heaven than anything else. And anything that kept me from getting into heaven, I'd want to get rid of as soon as I could. Because just like hell's eternal, heaven's eternal. And to me, the, the horrors of hell, my, my imagination is too limited to even try to understand it. But at the same time, the joys of heaven for eternity are incomprehensible to me as well because these are on a perfect spiritual level. So if hell is pain, suffering, and hatred for all eternity to the utmost extreme, and heaven is love, joy, and peace... To the utmost extreme. I'm limited by my finite human... Um, frailties... That... Um, I can't comprehend these things. Not entirely. Well, not even a little really. And... Now there have been saints... Uh, Father Bernard Utley in his Spiritual Life series uh, on SoundCloud and Spotify talks about how there have been saints where God gave them they called it a state of ecstasy and they were some of them were like floating in the air or whatever but the Spirit of God entered into them in his entirety and my, my memory of what the quote was was that they were experiencing, literally experiencing the joys of heaven right there. You know, and they were in prayer, by the way. This, this is, you know, once again, this goes along with spiritual life. Um, but they were in prayer, and God entered into them and, and gave them a brief glimpse. Of what heaven was going to be like And When they talked about it, They said it was indescribable They literally could not describe it And some had even said That they wished they could have died And gone to heaven at that moment It was so So great Um, And, and truthfully speaking a lot of people try to overthink things they really do you know i gotta know what this is all about for me it's good enough to know that um the world is degraded and um And that's going to bring me to another point. But the world is degraded. Uh, I can't speak for any use. Speaking for myself, um, I'm not going to claim I've had the worst life. But uh, I'm at the point right now where um, I don't want to be here anymore. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean I'm going to go kill myself or anything. It just means that there, there's nothing on this earth that would entice me if I had a choice between staying here and going to heaven. There's nothing on this earth that could entice me to, to stay here. Nothing. You know, I, I could have uh, a harem of a thousand Hollywood starlets and uh, supermodels uh, live in a huge uh, chalet in Switzerland and have access to all my wants and desires, I wouldn't want to be here. Which leads me to my second point about um, being fanatical about God's truth. Which is that, I've said this in a prior episode, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux the um, you and the Vatican II sect will know that she's the little flower. She's quoted as saying, "The ship, I'm sorry, the world is your ship, not your home." Meaning, we have to do our time on Earth in order to hopefully make it into heaven, even if we have to go to purgatory. But as I never get tired of saying. You know, some people get it twisted and think, you know, you spend eternity in purgatory. No. You go through purgatory so you're pure enough to get into heaven. And the only way you get into purgatory, you can't have mortal sin. You can't have mortal sin when you go to heaven. I mean, period. Now, if you have venial sin, that's exactly what purgatory is for. You know, some minor, unconfessed sin. Um, And I find a lot of people that think it's fanatical to like be excited about God and His Blessed Mother are the same people who pretty much lead a Normy existence now when i say normie i'm just saying they're no different than their secular neighbors they've got their little distractions maybe it's uh video games maybe it's uh netflix maybe it's uh oh wow uh, comic books maybe it's uh board games or sports ball or politics you know pick your hobby. And to them, it's incomprehensible that you would renounce everything just to make sure that you could get into heaven. And this is not a slam against those people. I. Disclaimer: everything I'm talking about, I've either been guilty of in the past or guilty of right now. Now, right now, um, I'm, I'm not of that mindset, but I used to be, you know, because, you know, I, I had no conception. Number one, I have no conception of hell, but number two, um, the, the, the fact that God loved me and wanted me in heaven to me seemed like a sick joke. and um it's to my shame that i have to admit that but you know the the, the next time you want to think that oh that uh you know i'm a harsh guy and you know i I i don't know how to be diplomatic just re just remember you guys don't know me personally um you know and In in the sake of fairness, it's probably best that you don't know me personally. (laughs) Honestly, but uh, in my private life, I'm my own worst critic. Well, outside of Jesus in the heavenly kingdom because I'm constantly having to learn just how degraded and debauched I really am as a human being. But because I want to as, as best as a failed, flawed human being can, I want to serve God and His heavenly kingdom and His blessed mother. Um, I, I attempt, in my own pathetic way, to do the best I can. And the, the, the more that you grow spiritually, the more you realize just how inadequate you really are. And honestly, how could it be any other way really how How could it be any other way? We're talking about God who is perfection himself, his angels who maybe not as quite perfect in in their essence as he is, but I'll tell you, an angel's a heck of a lot more. Uh, perfect in their essence than a fallen human being is. And then think about his Blessed Mother. I don't know if I covered this when I talked about the Blessed Mother, but one of her titles is the Queen of Angels. Her essence, while it may not be as perfect as her sons and God the Father and the Holy Ghost, is more perfect than that of the angels and saints. Now, I'm sorry if you're like a Protestant or a secularist, and this is all Chinese to you, but I guess you're listening to the wrong episode. But she is literally the queen of angels and saints because her essence is is so much more perfect than theirs. And so, you know, lately I've come to the conclusion that um, and there, you know, this is just common reasoning. I'll never, I mean, even, even if Lord blesses me to go to purgatory and actually become a saint in heaven, my essence will never because my essence is flawed, I will never be able to, to pay or uh, repay, I should say repay or you know all, all I could do is just this, this is the, this is literally the mercy of heaven. I will once I get through the refining fire that is earth, and if I am allowed to enter into heaven, the one thing I will have will be perfect gratitude and perfect love toward God and the heavenly kingdom. And I'll take it. I'll take it. Because if you're taking, if you're taking your relationship with God seriously, you should never be satisfied, never. Father Bernard Utley, when in his series of the spiritual life, talks about this. You know, if if you're sincerely and honestly trying to grow spiritually, you're never going to be satisfied. And the more maturity you gain in the spiritual life, the more you realize that until you get to heaven, you're really not, you know. <laughs> You're because you are weighed down by your fallen human nature and um your carnal flesh, you're never ever going to be able to serve God perfectly. You well, there are the saints, of course, but I I, I will uh, continue to state this theory. I think that the saints have been predestinated to for sainthood. But once again, having said that, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to make the attempt. And I don't know if I've made this clear, if I've mentioned this before, but a lot of the saints, and I remember this, not only reading this in the lives of the saints, but hearing said of bishops and priests talk about how some confessors, Dreaded literally dreaded going to somebody who was pious and devout who later became a saint because these guys, I mean, to someone like myself or you or somebody you know, somebody who's not a saint, oh father, I uh uh um. Uh, I thought bad things about uh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And I was so uncharitable and, you know, this, that, and the other. And the father said, what would you think? Oh, I got annoyed at them because, you know, they can't help themselves, but they do this thing, and it really annoyed me. And I, got, I, I didn't say anything, but I got, I, just inside I, I wanted to, like, yell at them. And they literally dreaded... Well, n- not all of them, but some of them have recorded that they... Because they're like... And by the way, these, these confessors were enough, spiritually minded enough to know that these were saints in the making. But... You know, unless the confessor was a saint himself, you know, I, I'm sure there was a part of them that was like um probably you know if if they were sincere and I would have a hard time imagining otherwise but they're probably thinking to myself oh my goodness this person is actually considered themselves the worst sinner for having a bad thought about a a fellow monk or nun Or maybe a neighbor Or family member or whatever But they didn't express it It was just inside their head And that is intimidating It is intimidating And I suspect the reason why A lot of people um, Don't try For piety and devotion is because they're probably, this is just my theory, that they're probably intimidated. Because I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. Um, when I started listening to Father Bernard Utley's series last summer, and I started reading the lives of the saints and some of the, the, the writings, all of uh, spiritual writings, I'm like, there's no way in heck a person like me can do this. There's I I'm not even a pimple. I, I'm not even a wart on Saint Therese's pinky more or less the, the the godly saint that she was. I cannot do this. And it's very, you know, I'm speaking for myself. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be presumptuous and speak for anyone else. But that's very intimidating. When you, a matter of fact, Bishop Sanborn, uh, he's—I he, don't know if he's still doing this because the the podcasts are have not been released. The free podcasts have not been released from the recent seasons. But in the earlier seasons, um, he said that you know he would get discouraged. When he would read about a saint who had a bowl of watery soup and then thought he was a glutton for having it, or something along those lines. I mean, it has been a little bit since I've listened to that episode, but he was talking about that. And he's, you know, I I remember thinking, you know, thinking to myself, yeah, well, I don't blame you. You're actually a prelate. You're actually a prelate and you're probably a very holy man or at least holier than I've ever been and you're getting intimidated? Imagine how I feel. But here's the beauty about a relationship with God. Number one, He's not going to put on you any more than you can handle. And sometimes it's easy to forget that especially in the heat of the moment. When two of your kids are bickering and arguing, your wife's sick in bed and, you know, not her best self and maybe you have to go into work and your boss is being a real a-hole and maybe you're having a flat tire or whatever, you know. It's hard to remember that. And as a flawed human being, you know, unless we are on the road to sainthood... We have a hard time remembering that. Because being human beings, we we live in the moment, you know? When somebody's screaming in your face about a five dollar burger or some you know some triviality, stupidity that doesn't matter in the larger scheme of things, it's hard it's hard to remember. That God's got your back and his blessed mother and and the heavenly kingdom. They've got your back. It's hard to remember. But he's not going to put any more on you than you can handle. And the other thing is too. This is why I keep talking about divine providence. If you read the very basics about divine providence, it is written quite clearly that the stuff that we go through on earth is actually meant to take out the spiritual garbage that's hidden deep within our soul. Um, this was something I, I honestly speaking I don't even think I fully understand but our souls are so deep and I think I mentioned this in another episode but You, you can think consciously that you have the right, um, that you have the good intention and, uh, um, a proper attitude and not even realizing that you've got some sins that are so buried deep inside of you that it's actually coloring how you're behaving. You have the right intent. You have the right, um, mindset. But the sins that are so buried deep inside, you're not even aware that these things are actually coloring how you're acting. And then, the last thing I would say about that is, is is that, um, if you're honestly and sincerely striving for piety and devotion because God is your maker your literal author he's the author of everything um he he's not he's not going to leave you to fight your battles on your own and that I think that kind of goes back to the first thing I was talking about because some days um I guess it depends on the person, but, uh, there, there there've been some days where I've gotten home from work and I was so physically, spiritually, and mentally exhausted. I just wanted to lie in bed for the rest, rest of the night and, you know, not get up again until it was time to go to work. But he's not going to, you know, he he said in one of his Gospels, I think it was the Gospel according to St. John, I will not leave you and I will not leave you orphans. He will always be with you. But... I think the actual the actual topic I wanted to talk about was God's truth. And I just spent almost forty minutes just talking about a relationship with God, not necessarily being conversant in his truth. But Um, I've stated this ad nauseum without, without having an un, at least an understanding of his truth. And when I say his truth, he is truth himself. So in order to know him better, you have to know his truth. The only way you get to know his truth is by being in his church and being taught his doctrine. But as I've also stated, there's more to it than that. You have, to de- you have to literally develop a personal relationship. And while I'm on this subject, I've, I've, I've heard Vatican II types say, Oh, they asked me if I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I take him, I take him in the Eucharist every Sunday. Well, yeah, that's the physical that's the physical closeness. And you are taking his divinity. Um, I, I don't want to be accused of being presumptuous or talking above, above my pay grade. So I'm going to state the following statement like this. To my knowledge... Jesus Christ gave us the Eucharist His body, blood, soul, and divinity that we may be spiritually strengthened enough that we may stay close to Him let's just say you go to church every Sunday you're blessed enough to be able to go to church every Sunday and receive the sacraments the My understanding of how the Eucharist works is that is your spiritual food to keep you to the next time, you know, throughout the week when you may not have, due to circumstances, may not have access to the Eucharist to keep you spiritually um, fortified. You know, to, to... the best way I can explain fortified is is to strengthen your spirit, not just to meet the attacks of your carnal flesh and the demonic attacks um, that are spiritual and sometimes, you know, people. Um, the devil's using people to try to, you know, wreck your 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 frame of mind. That's what my understanding of the Eucharist is for. It's supposed to strengthen you, to help get you through until you can receive him again. So You know, and I will admit, when I was a Vatican II member, I used to love it when Vatican IIites would talk about how they'd get some Protestant online. Heck, do you know your Lord and Savior? Yeah, i take him every day. Well, in their case, they thought they were. uh, What they were taking was bread and wine. And that's kind of a tragedy in and of itself. I'll get to this in a later podcast, but um, I'll leave it at that. There is no compromise when it comes to God's truth. Now, I think that's what the topic, when I originally wrote it down, was what I wanted to actually discuss. But I'm 40 minutes into this and I ain't going to have the time to give it the full treatment it deserves. So I'm going to be forced to try to be as brief as I can. If you are to follow Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth, how can there be any compromise? Now, I do realize that for the sake of charity, you know, if you have a Protestant neighbor, it... You know, just just from a worldly perspective, it's not a good idea to march up to him and say, "Hey, heretic! Why don't you reform your life and get right?" Just from a worldly perspective, because if your guy, if your neighbor is like six, six foot two and uh, two thirty, and can bench 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 press a engine block, probably not a good idea to talk to that, but just on a ch- charitable level, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, at the same time, um, St. Pius Twelfth once said, there can be no compromise with heresy. In other words, if your neighbor is a Protestant, you know, when, when, you know, when he's talking to you and he's saying, uh, oh, I know Jesus Christ, you don't nod your head and say, okay, yeah, whatever, because that's his immortal soul. And because he is a heretic, he may think he has, you know, a relationship. He doesn't. He's relying on his subjective feelings, not his objective intellect. And the same thing goes with Vatican II members. But there is no compromise. Um, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe. A co-worker back in the 90s once told me that I was uncompromising. And at that stage, I was a total heathen. I had no issue with that description. She's like, you're so uncompromising. I was like, yeah, we're at work. If you know if, if we're not if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing here, then we shouldn't be here. Now, just take that concept from the secular and turn it to where it deserves to be turned, which is Jesus Christ in the heavenly kingdom itself. Anytime, anytime that and by the way, for you set of a contest out there, who think that there are certain personalities that are sacrosanct above criticism, and because they happen to be a priest or a prelate, you know you can't mention the fact that, um, you know their flaws that they exhibit online, that somehow you know it's not your place to. Welcome to the world of Vatican II Because that's how you and your parents got Vatican II Because your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles Everybody previously Kept their mouths shut When there were uh, Questionable prelates and priests Running their diocese And, And they made a compromise with the world Thank you Lord Jesus That was my ultimate point if you're more in love with what's going on out in the world, all worried about the riots and how governments are being, uh, being attacked and all uh, oh, the, the great rising is coming, you're wrong. You're wrong. That stuff doesn't, it does not matter. Getting to heaven does. So, you know, if you're more interested in your politics if you're more interested in whatever secular material that you're indulging in, you're making a compromise with the world. Whether you want to admit it or not, you're making a compromise with them. And once again, for the sake of clarity, I have been guilty of this myself. When I was in the Vatican II sect, there was part of me that was saying, you know, I should probably be spending more time reading my Bible, doing my rosary and reading the lives of the saints and less time watching football and movies. But my attitude was, well, I don't want to be a saint anyway because, you know, it's hard and I'm not capable and blah, blah, blah. So nothing I'm saying right here, I haven't been guilty of myself. So before you you start chalking me up to some self-righteous a-hole, I just admitted publicly that I've done the same thing. But guess what? Time is running out. You know, you could disregard this, this episode. You can keep doing what you're doing. But for those of you of that mindset, Jesus gives a couple parables where one was the uh, the, the, uh, the groom the groom there were uh, ten wise versions and ten foolish versions and the the groom was late coming coming to the wedding feast so the uh, the ten foolish versions because it was late they got tired fell asleep and their oil went out the ten wise versions virgins kept their, their lamps full, and so when the when the uh, uh, the groom showed up, they were ready to go in with him. And about the time that the groom came up, all of a sudden the sleeping foolish virgins were like, "Hey, hey, we need some oil for our lamps." And and the uh, wise virgins were, well, "We can't give you any. If we give you some, we're going to be out." And then the groom came. And he went in with the wise virgins, and they were knocking on the door, asking the groom to let him in. he's like, "Why't why aren't your lamps full? I never knew you. go away." There was a second parable where um there was a steward of a, of a a king's Uh, Possessions And the king went off On a journey he was gone for a real Long time and so The steward was thinking well he's Never coming back And so he began To get drunk with his buddies And he started beating on his fellow Servants and You know he was raising all sorts Of ruckus and guess Who showed up but the king King's like what are you doing And he stripped the steward of everything that he had. And in the parable, he tossed him out into the darkness where there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, you can write this off. But none of us are saints. None of us. Well, I mean, there may be an unknown saint here and there, but because they are unknown, we don't know about them. For the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to assume that my audience is a bunch of people like me. We are not saints. We do not have the direct hotline to God. And even the saints did not know God's plan. So we do not know when he's coming back. What happens if he comes back tomorrow? Oh, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. It's something, something's something, got to happen, and blah, blah, blah. Who says? I mean literally who says because Jesus in his gospel says that he will come back like a thief in the night now as near as I can tell when a burglar's burglarizing a joint he doesn't set off a flash grenade in the middle of the place and he doesn't bang pots and panes together to announce his entrance he slips in takes what you have and he slips out it's his job same thing with Jesus you know, a lot of people think that, you know, and it, because it's been theorized that there's going to be so. what happens? You know, once again, we can't assume that God's going to fit into our little box. He could very well show up in the next 10 minutes while I'm doing this podcast. So when you're making compromises, and by the way, when I say compromises with the world, I'm not talking about caring for your friends. Oh, I'm sorry, your, uh, your family. I'm not talking about that. But I, I don't care if you're the mother or the father. It is your responsibility to make sure that those kids get taught correctly and properly. It is literally your responsibility, not just yourself. And being a parent is a huge responsibility if you don't want your kids turning out to be monsters. So, there is no compromise with anything. You know, not the world, not with yourself, and not with God's truth. So,. It's, we're, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing an hour here. So I'm going to go ahead and close out. Um, I truly and sincerely hope and pray that you guys got something out of this. I really do. And to those of you who think I'm a foaming at the mouth lunatic, if you gave me 50 minutes of your time, I do appreciate it. And I don't care if you disagree with me. And I don't, I don't care if you think that, um, that I'm some meth head on bath salts foaming at the mouth, if you gave me 50 minutes and listened, I appreciate it. And I hope you get something out of it too, even if you disagree with me, even if it's later on down the road. Um, I'm praying for all of you. Oh, take this for what it's worth. I'm praying for all of you, and I'd like to see as many people get to heaven. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.